Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, looking dark back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up wide open. Welcome back here to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. I am your host, Ari Merov. The NFL season kicks off in just over two weeks. We will be previewing the AFC this week with ESPN's Jordan Schultz. You all know Jordan. He's been on the podcast a few times in the past. But before that, the NFL saw some interesting things happen over the last few days. First of all, there were a rash of false positive COVID-19 test results. We saw Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, he got hit with a false positive. The Jets had 10 of them. The Vikings had 12. The Bears had 9. We had a total of 77 tests from 11 NFL teams. They were all processed by the same New Jersey lab, and they all came back positive on Saturday. Now, all 77, they got another test and they were proven to be a false positive. But is that concerning? Of course it is. But you got to look at this in a different way. We cannot underestimate just how big it is that this happened now and didn't happen in three or four weeks from now. Because imagine if this happened on a Sunday, on a Saturday before game day and Josh Allen tested positive for COVID. Right? What would have happened then? The fact that it happened now, the NFL will now have the chance to adjust and to figure out how to prevent a similar issue going forward. That's why, you know, a few months ago, we kept on saying, it is good that basketball is starting now. It is good that baseball is starting now. They're starting before football. We can use their mistakes and learn from them. You know, we saw Sean McVay on Hard Knocks in episode one. He was telling all his players and his coaches and the staff, you do not want to be the Miami Marlins from baseball. You do not want to be the St. Louis Cardinals from baseball, okay? The NFL is taking this day by day, and they hope to address all the hiccups from COVID before the regular season kicks off. As of right now, under 1% of players have tested positive. As of this recording, there are only four players on the reserve COVID-19 list. All of that is great news, especially after a week in which we saw contact ramped up and we saw teams start padded practice. All of that is amazing news. So all that happened on Sunday, but there was more. The Ravens released Earl Thomas. Their big free agent acquisition from last year is gone after he got into it with a teammate, Chuck Clark, at practice on Friday. He was sent home on Sunday. They decide to release him. Thomas ends up making $22 million for one year. There's another $10 million that is up in the air right now. That will take time to settle. But think about this. Imagine telling yourself in March that on August 23, Earl Thomas, Logan Ryan, and Jadavion Clowney would all be free agents. It's wild, right? How crazy does that sound? But here we are, a few weeks before the season is going to start, 
and they are all available for different reasons of course but it's wild to think about and eventually these guys will sign and we all know they are impact players and there will be teams out there that will instantly get better by adding these veterans onto their defense. All right, on to this week's episode. And as I said before, we're previewing the AFC this week. Jordan Schultz of ESPN was my guest. We went division by division, talked about all 16 teams in the AFC, what we like, what we don't like, who we like winning division, who we don't think will do well. We went through each team. It was a great conversation with Jordan. But before we go to that, we all know Sundays are coming back in the NFL. We are exactly three weeks away from our first NFL Sunday. And with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. It is B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. A fantastic deal with the NFL coming back here in a few weeks. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv once again and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That is B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. All right, so now here it is. Here is my full discussion with ESPN's Jordan Schultz. As I said, we talked about the AFC, all 16 teams in there. But we also talked about some other things to start. We talked about some of the young safeties in the NFL. Jordan has had a chance to talk with a bunch of them, so it was good to get some insight on that. And then near the end of the episode, Jordan gave his predictions. his way too early predictions for the awards here for the 2020 NFL season. A very, very fun episode overall. So here it is, my full discussion with Jordan Schultz. All right, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast. He's an NFL and NBA insider and analyst for ESPN. Over on Instagram, he's always talking to some big names on Instagram Live. Back here for a fourth time, it is Jordan Schultz. Jordan, what's happening? Welcome back to the podcast. All right, thanks for having me on, man. I've uh, Like you said, it's been a little while. I'm excited to get back on and talk shop. So yeah, the last time you were on here, Jordan, it was actually after the draft. So of course, a lot has happened since then. But I got to start with this. You know, I'm not a big Instagram person. I don't use it that much. I do check it here and there. But I feel like whenever I'm going to check what's going on there, I see you on Instagram Live with some high-profile sports person. Like last week, Kevin Bayard, Derwin James, Thomas Dimitrov, Buda Baker, Cliff Kingsbury. You had Mark Cuban on there. Yeah. And I was watching the one with Bayard last week, and I was just thinking to myself, I don't think there's been a time in the NFL where we've had this many young elite safeties in the league at once. Did that ever cross your mind while doing that interview? No, until Bayard said it, to your point. You know, like, I, I mean, I've thought about how good, uh, basically how good the safeties are, but, I, you know, to actually think about that there's about a dozen guys all around 25 or younger that are already pro ball, all pro caliber players. You mentioned some of them that I just had on, but then you add, you know, the Harrison Smiths and the Justin Simmons. I mean, the list goes on. And the fact that we have this, as Bayard said, this like golden age of safeties who are all not even really in their prime yet is really exciting. So, you know, it, obviously it's an offensive league and, 
you know, we, we love our points, but to see great safety play, to see great DB play, uh, to me is one of the one of the most intriguing parts of football. And the fact that they're so young is really exciting. Yeah, it for sure is. And I think Bayard is the most underrated in my mind. But then you just look at the list of guys. You could go Harrison Smith, as you said, Matthew, Jamal Adams, Justin Simmons, Derwin, Eddie Jackson, Minka, Buda Baker, um, John Johnson, Adrian Amos. Oh, yeah. Um, Jesse Bates, um, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Jabril Peppers. I think um, Justin Reed is someone who's up and coming. That's like 20 guys right there. Yeah. Landon Collins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Landon Collins as well. Marcus Williams. The list just goes on and on. There are so many good young ones, and there are more that are up and coming. Guys who will come in next year's draft as well. So this is a position that is loaded. I don't remember it being this loaded ever before. But the last time you were on here, or the last few times you were on here, the safety that we kept on talking about was Jamal Adams. And you're a big Jamal Adams guy. You speak to him. And, you know, you were telling me that the Jets would be crazy if they traded him, even if it was for two first-round picks. I never really got your take on what you thought that the trade now did happen after seeing how all the things escalated and it was starting to get ugly in New York. What was your outlook on the entire trade? Well, I was really surprised initially because I, I Seattle gave up a lot. And that's not what surprised me. Um, necessarily, but you know, we know the Seahawks traditionally are a, are a moving and shaky team. You know, whether it was Clowney or Dwayne Brown, um, you know, the way that John Schneider likes to move back in the draft and acquire picks, it's not a team that just sits and, and allows you know uh, teams to to make basically to make moves ahead of them. They're they're very aggressive traditionally. It's been very successful. Um, I loved it for Seattle, but I also think if you look at what the Seahawks want to become and want to get back to, it's it's the defense side of the ball has kind of been lost over the last few years. You know, Earl obviously is no longer there, no longer Sherman, uh, Chancellor. But mm-hmm. to bring in a guy like Jamal Adams, who's, you know, like you said, he, he really is a lead. He's a first-team All-Pro and, you know, really young guy. I, he's gotten, I think, unfairly characterized as someone that creates issues in the locker room or, you know, mm-hmm. he was talking too much in New York. And I think what, what you get in Adams is one of the most versatile young players in the league, regardless of position. I think you get a guy that's a tremendous leader and someone that will come in and play all over the field in kind of that camp chancellor role that Seattle had. And if Seattle goes back to that, you know, hard hitting secondary, you think about Diggs and him playing together. They're very close friends, by the way. Um, now all of a sudden you kind of get that DNA back that we saw with Chancellor and, and, and Thomas back in the day. So I, I'm excited for the Seahawks. I'm excited for Adams. Um, you know, Joe Douglas, I, I want to believe in him. I also think that they handled the situation with Adams very poorly. Uh, I think they misled him. I know they are getting two ones. Um, it's a lot to give up if you're Seattle, but you're also giving up an elite young player in this league. And uh, I don't really trust New York ultimately to make great picks anyway. So uh, I, I felt like Seattle won the deal. You know what really annoys me about the Jets, Jordan? So we're both from New York, right? We always see Jets fans here in the city. If you go back to look at the 2018 draft, the Jets took Darnold third overall, right? Baker went first, Josh Allen went seventh, Lamar went 32nd, last pick in the first round. All those other teams that took their franchise quarterbacks have done work to build around their young quarterback. The Jets, they've completely flunked. And they don't draft receivers. They don't they don't draft tight ends. I mean, I know they got Beckton out of Louisville, who's a good, really good young tackle, but they don't. They have not helped him at all. And when you're talking about 
developing a young quarterback, Ari, the two best things you can do is offensive line and then get him a, a variety of weapons. And obviously, Le'Veon Belton hasn't really worked out. And, um, you know, you can question whether or not they should have paid a running back. That, that to me, was foolish. Um, but regardless, you're right. They haven't helped him. Um, and then you trade away Adams, who was really the only difference maker defensively. I mean, they, they, they did not have any other guys really that consistently made plays last year. So it just speaks to, like, it's almost like the 76ers in basketball where you're, you're just trying to acquire picks and players and, um, you know, try to, try to hit home runs. But they, the problem is that they have such a, a foundation of losing that, you know, even when you bring in a new head coach or you bring in a new GM and Joe Douglas, you're almost like – it's like they're continuing to try and do that. And they're not sending the message to the fans when you trade Jamal Adams that, like, you value – you know, playmaking, that you value, value character or leadership, is that he really was that guy for them. Mm-hmm, yeah, so they, they traded Adams and C.J. Mosley opted out. You know, I, I just think Joe Douglas just wants to reset this whole team. He wants to build a team the correct way, the way a general manager is supposed to do, and reset what Mike McCagney left there because it was such a mess. The problem is, you know, they signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals this offseason. The problem is eventually... You're going to have to pay your quarterback. And once you pay your quarterback, obviously building around that quarterback is a little bit more complicated. But also to that point, how can you even make the decision on whether or not you want to pay Donald if you haven't surrounded him with, with players to help him? Because, I mean, he, he's not – like, I, I'm not a big Donald believer. I've never, never really been a big fan. But regardless of the fact, like, you know, his, his contract's going to come up. And, like, if you haven't given him an opportunity to be successful – then that's like the double down dumb effect. You, you, you draft him really high and then you don't help him. So you really don't know what he is or what he could be. Um, so I, I, listen, I, I totally agree on McCagan. He was a disaster. Uh, I, I want to believe in Joe Douglas, but I, I didn't like this move. I know they, they got back two, two ones, but I, I just didn't get it. Yeah, it's kind of wild because Sam really has never had any sort of talent around him. If you think about it, his offensive line has always been bad. His receivers were like Robbie Anderson and like Quinty Nuno was always hurt. Chris Herndon was suspended last year and he got hurt as well. And then Le'Veon Bell was signed, but he didn't totally pan out in his first year there. And now this year, you have Rashad Perriman on a one-year deal. You have a rookie Denzel Mims. The offensive line has been completely reset with rookies and guys on one-year deals. And if you look at what they're doing in practice right now, none of their top receivers are even healthy to practice. He's working with a bunch of guys who won't even be depth guys on other rosters. So it is kind of unfair to him. He's never had anything good there. And then again this year, if you, if you just look at the 2018 draft, look at that draft. Baker has talent around him. Josh Allen has talent around him. Lamar Jackson has talent around him. Sam does not. And then Josh Rosen, obviously, his career has completely gone the wrong way, not the way he imagined it. That's a different story. But it, it really is tough. I mean, it's un- unfortunate. And I really don't know what to expect from them this year when the offense still isn't that good. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, and then on the other side, you have Daniel Jones, who's also in New York, a very young quarterback, and they've given him, they're, and they're giving him an mm-hmm. opportunity. Obviously, they draft Andrew Thomas. Um, they have a ton of weapons around him. Um, and he's, I think he's, I, I like him a lot. I, I just think that's the way you, you build a young quarterback's confidence is you, you really invest in the offensive line and you give, you give him as many weapons as possible because um, that's, that's how he's going to improve and that's how you're going to determine if, if he's the guy. 
Right? And, and, and that's exactly the point we're trying to make. Just imagine if Sam Donald had the same... Had those weapons? Exactly. If he had the same weapons that Daniel Jones has with the Giants, if he had Saquon Barkley, if he had Golden Tate, if he had Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, right? Those are real weapons. That is the point we are trying to make over here. I do not want to fall into a whole loophole about the Giants here, but what I wanted to do here on this week's episode with you, Jordan, was to talk about the AFC and all the divisions. And since we've already started talking about the Jets, let's start with the AFC East. So, you know, a lot happened in this division this year. Of course, the Patriots, Tom Brady's gone. A bunch of other players are gone. How do you see this division shaping out? The Bills seem to be a real threat there. The Dolphins and the Jets might need another year or two. And the Patriots, I really don't know where you sit with them. So how do you see this division falling out as we get closer to the season? This division to me is, is uh, it's like, uh, I, I don't want to watch these games. You know, I, I don't, I'm not excited about this division, but regardless, I do think Buffalo has every opportunity to take a stranglehold of it. I, I would be really surprised if, if the Bills didn't win, you know, 11, 10, 11 games again this season and then establish themselves as, like, I, I don't know if they're a contender yet, but I, I thought the Diggs move for Josh Allen was, was a huge difference for them. And, you know, you mentioned Poyer and the, the defense is very opportunistic. Um, you know, I had Harrison Phillips on my Instagram live show earlier this summer, and I mm-hmm. asked him about about that defense. And I just get the sense that what Brandon Bean has done for them in terms of just making consistently good moves, good picks, um, th- that defense is really ready to even go go up another level. So with that in mind, I think the Jets are going to be a three-win team. I think the Dolphins defensively will be much better. Um, I think the right move for them is to sit to a, let that hip heal, because um, you're not going to contend this year. I, I do like Brian Flores, and I think the defensive moves, especially the Jones pick pickup, was really good. But um, as a whole, I think New England's probably the most interesting team. And, you know, Belichick said something the other day that really surprised me that he – I don't know if this was just hearsay, but he said, I wouldn't be opposed to a platoon system. Did you see that, right? Yeah, I did see that. that was I didn't get that at all. I didn't because if you if you're bringing in Cam Newton, um, as cheap as he is, you you want him to win that job, um, and I and I know Jared Stidham's unproven and maybe maybe he he's got something I I never really saw it in college. But regardless, like Newton is should be the guy. So I if I'm a Patriot fan, like I want Cam to go out and win the position and and really be um, you know be a, a start a, a, an upper echelon or at least a, an average starting quarterback, which is better than Stidham. Yeah, Stidham is actually banged up right now, which should open the door for Cam a little bit. But going back to the Bills, you know, I think they are the most talented team in this division. It's not even close, actually. Their defense is stacked. We all know that. This is my thing. Looking at the quarterback situation for them. Remember when Mariota made the playoffs for the Titans and Trubisky made it with the Bears and Bortles made it with the Jaguars? Those three quarterbacks, the very next year, they had such high expectations and then everything collapsed for them. I'm concerned that the same thing could happen to Josh Allen because he's basically in the same situation as those quarterbacks were. Made the playoffs the year before, now people are still kind of doubting him. Will he be able to step up to the plate this year and pull it off again? What do you think? Yeah, you feel like people say, oh, he only made the playoffs because of the defense? 
Yeah, because if you look at it, everyone is concerned about his accuracy. Everyone says the defense is very good. Um, Josh Allen is more of a running quarterback. It's going to come back to hurt him. The coaching staff is really good, blah, blah, blah. And they're saying, you know, now he's going to have a tougher schedule, and now he's going to face some real defenses, and everything is going to collapse for him. Now, I disagree with it, but we have seen it in the past with the three quarterbacks I just mentioned before. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Josh Allen. I don't. I don't know if um, I, his, his inaccuracy going back to college uh, at a lower level in Wyoming was, was obviously a concern and he hasn't been particularly accurate. I think he was under 59% last year. So, you know, he, he's going to need to be much more accurate, but uh, you know, he's also a third year quarterback who's, you know, he, he's done some really good things. You mentioned the playoffs. He's extremely athletic. I think they would, I think McDermott would love for him to not run as much, not take as many hits, but I, I do think Josh Allen is, ultimately the, the starting quarterback in Buffalo, like long-term. I, I think he's going to be a very good player. But I mentioned the accuracy because Diggs just coming in because of his skill set and he'll, he'll, he'll catch 100 balls, 95 balls. Mm-hmm. That's going to do so much for Josh Allen. Um, and I don't think people – well, I don't know if they realize, but Singletary last year was one of the leading guys in terms of yards per carry, albeit in less, lesser carries. So they have a good running game. Um, I think Josh Allen's going to ha- take a big step forward this year and – I, I just – I don't know how Buffalo doesn't win that division. I mean, I – you know, I've said that we, – we've kind of said that before, but this year really it feels like that, and, and obviously he's going to need to be better. Yeah, I'm not going to count out New England yet because Bill Belichick is still there, but looking at the Bills, the way – what they've done since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott gone there, got there, it's been so – amazing like I don't think it could have gone any better right the defense is just amazing the coaching staff is perfect they got the quarterback they set up the offensive line they made trades they made signings they made they 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 drafted well right like whenever a team goes and hires a general manager you want them to do exactly the way Brandon Bean did it in Buffalo they've set up a culture they have the fans excited they're making it to the playoffs like you want to model it the way Brandon Bean has done it in the first few years that he's been there with Sean McDermott yeah and they and they brought in a guy in Leslie Frazier who mm-hmm. I think um people kind of forgot about but he, he's a great great defensive play caller and you know he, he's done a hell of a job in a very short time with them they're very disciplined mm-hmm. um uh, they're going to create a ton of turnovers in that division too I mean you can imagine um they'll be flying around the ball so yeah I mean I Brandon Bean I mean he's he deserves a ton of credit he, he's he's been excellent since day one Yes, since day one, like seriously, since day one, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they have just been tremendous. And if there's going to be a year where they win the division, this year is probably the best chance they'll have just because of how many pieces New England lost and how it looks like Miami and the Jets are still not there yet. So um, a very good chance for them to try to win it this year. And if they do win it, I can't wait to see how their fans react there in Buffalo because those fans are just absolutely crazy. All right, on to the AFC North. Yeah, I like this division. Yeah, this division is 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 crazy. So last year, the Ravens, of course, they were just so good, fourteen and two. Um, they just released Earl Thomas, by the way. But um, the Steelers, of course, had Big Ben get hurt. The Browns, they were just overhyped and undisciplined, and then the Bengals were just a joke. This division this year will be much more competitive. How do you see it playing out? Are the Ravens still the team to beat in the AFC North? I think Baltimore has got to be, to me, the Super Bowl favorite. Um, ahead of Kansas City, ahead of anybody else. If you really think about the Ravens last year, 
plus 250 and, and differential. They were dominant. Lamar Jackson, obviously an MVP. But then you then the, the fact that they're – I know you mentioned Earl Thomas, but you know, he wasn't the same guy last year. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad what happened to him. Um, I, 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 I really hope he's okay mentally. Um, but, you know, moving on from Baltimore – or from Earl, the, the fact that they have that offense, they bring in J.K. Dobbins um, – you know, you're, you're talking about a team that's going to be able to run the ball and control the clock extremely well. Um, really good young tight end. I, I think the biggest thing for Lamar Jackson is just to be a little bit more accurate um, so that he, they don't have to always get bailed out. I mean, he's great at that. But if he can be a little bit more accurate, um, 2 3%, you're, you're talking about a team that, to me, should win the Super Bowl because defensively they, they should be stout and, uh, you know, well coached. There's just so much to like about Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore, listen, they got Calais Campbell for a fifth. And, yeah, that was and they a, got I, I forgot about that. I yeah, totally forgot about that. You're it, right. It feels like a million years ago. They got him for a fifth. And then they also steal Patrick Queen in the first. So you add yeah, that, that to great. the defense, which is unbelievable. Yeah. But the thing for me is two thi- one thing about the Ravens before we go to the Steelers. There's this rhetoric on Twitter that defenses had this offseason to figure out Lamar. Do you believe any of that? Uh, no, I mean, you know, he's – I, he's I don't even like is he are you how do you figure him out because he's so like you can't figure out the way he runs I mean he's the most dynamic runner at quarterback I've ever seen you know maybe him and Michael Vick like that's how good he is and then I mentioned the accuracy he was in the mid-60s all year um everything he does has deception in it and even if you do figure him out because of the athleticism and I think he's 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 probably going to improve as a passer, like I said, that it's going to be extremely difficult for defenses to get a read on him. But even if, even when they do, like, I don't really know what you, what you do to slow him. I mean, he, he's just so dynamic. All right. Right. Compared to Josh Allen, where there are accuracy questions, I actually think Lamar is actually getting better at it. And then you include the offensive line and Ingram and Dobbins and Marquise Brown, who for those who play fantasy, I think he's going to be a, he's going to have a big year this year. And Mark Andrews as well. This offense will be so hard to figure out. That's the thing. I mean, the running and the passing for Lamar, it's there. We saw it last year. He won MVP. This team was unbelievable. I don't really see a reason for it to stop. On the other hand, though. Yeah, you may, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, on the other hand, though, the Steelers, though, I think is a team that could give them the most trouble. Just because this is a team that went 8-8 eight and eight last year with Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph. And it's still a top five offensive line. Their defense is nasty. You know all of that. Watt, Minka, Bush, um, Hayward. Hayward, Dupree, yeah. Nelson. I could go on and on. I think this is a team that if Ben is healthy, it's a big if, they could make the playoffs and even make it to the Super Bowl. Am I crazy for thinking this? Super Bowl, wow. Um, yes, yes. I think Pittsburgh's going to be better. Yeah, no, I, I, the defense would have to be lights out. Um, Which they point, were. But yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. To your point about earlier about Lamar, you mentioned Dupree. So I, I came on the line as did Orlando Brown, and they yes. both said the same thing about Lamar Jackson, which was basically he's one of the best players they've ever seen. Or one of the most <laughs> – you know, like just they could not – it was unbelievable. Um, Pittsburgh, to me, uh, is probably I, – I, I don't know. Who's there, who, if Pittsburgh's going to make the Super Bowl, they're going to have to have another really good receiver, right? And we, we've seen Juju. I don't know if he regressed or he wasn't as focused or not having Antonio Brown. I, I thought Juju – I mean, he, he's a really, really talented young guy. But, you know, between Johnson and Washington, like which one of those guys is going to emerge? And Chase Claypool, uh, by the way. Yeah, I, I do like him a lot. The rookie out of Notre Dame, you're, you're right. Uh, to, to put – to expect a lot from a rookie receiver, 
uh, is always dicey, although he's a really good young player and that big body should make a big difference. Um, but I guess I'm just concerned about most more than anything, like whether or not Big Ben can, can stay on the, can play 16 games. Can he stay on the field? Because, you know, he, I know he's in better shape, but his health has deteriorated over the last few years and he's pushing close to 40. I mean, how confident are you? One to 10, let's say that, that he stays healthy. Because I'd say I'm like a seven. So I'm probably higher than that just because everyone there in Pittsburgh, whether it's players, it's coaches, it's reporters, they all say Ben looks like he's never looked before. That's all you hear from them. Yeah, but we always hear that stuff. I know, but it's Ben. It's somebody who is coming back from elbow surgery. They say he's leaner. They say everything you want to hear about him. And it's just the team is so talented. And also they added Ebron at tight end. I mean, there's talent on this team and, I just feel like if he's healthy, it's the biggest X factor of it all. But if he's healthy, the offensive line is there. Juju and Connor, by the way, are both in contract years. And you know when people are in contract years, they try to play even harder in order to get that contract. So, like, there's just so many different things that I like about this team. I still think Baltimore is on top, but I feel like Pittsburgh's going to give them so much trouble like they have in the past. Yeah, I can see it. And I think Cincinnati takes a step up because of Burrow. AJ Green coming back, and then Cleveland's really the wild card. That is, you know, the big I, I want to yeah. believe that. I, yeah, I want to believe that they're going to be better. Uh, that Baker's going to be better. I think not having Freddie Kitchens is just a massive plus. Um, you know, Chubb's terrific. They obviously have some weapons, um, but it's hard to trust. It's really hard. It's just hard to trust the Browns in general. So. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be competitive because, first of all, there's no hype like last year. It was out of control last year. Their schedule is easier compared to what it was last year. It was brutal to start. And then the thing you didn't mention, the offensive tackles are fixed, you know, with Wills and Conklin, yeah. something that was just hot and garbage last year. A big upgrade. And they also got Austin Hooper at tight end. And the yeah. thing that I've been telling everyone is that Baker has been so quiet this offseason, and all his coaches say he's locked in and ready to roll. So I feel like this is the year where he steps up. Usually it's the second year where quarterbacks take that jump. He didn't have that last year. I feel like he gets it this year in his third year. I hope so. I really hope so because they're going to have to make a decision. We talked about the Jets. You know, they're going to have to make a decision whether or not Baker's the guy. And they have surrounded him with talent. And I think this, is, this has got to be a great year for Odell Beckham, too. I think there's a lot of pressure on him already to, uh, to reemerge and reestablish himself because we know the talent's there and it's just a matter of whether or not he's locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at it. It's it's Odell. It's Landry. It's Hooper. It's Njoku. It is Chubb. It is Hunt. They're loaded on offense. They fixed up the offensive line. What is this now? This is now Baker's fourth head coach, right? He had Hugh Jackson. Then he had Greg Williams. Then he had um, Kitchens last year and now Stefanski this year. Hugh feels like a million years ago. Yeah, it really does. But um, it's his second general manager as well. So, you know, you're right. I mean, they've surrounded him with talent and this is his year to prove what he can do. And then um, the Bengals, you know, they were just so bad last year. But you get Burrow, you get A.J. Green back, you get Jonah Williams, your first round pick from last year. They made a bunch of additions on defense. They're going to be that annoying, gritty team, similar to the Dolphins last year. They'll, they'll ruin somebody's season. I mean, it stinks that they don't have an OTA or they don't have preseason games. But they're going to be that annoying team that is just tough to, to tough to beat. Definitely. They're going to ruin a team's season at some point, similar to Miami last year where they beat the Patriots in Week 17. Yeah. They're just going to be that annoying team that doesn't have a good record, but they're just going to be tough to beat. 
That's the way I look at the Bengals, but I think they still have another year until they make that jump. All right, that wraps up the AFC North. That is a very intriguing division. Let's move on to the AFC West. And I think we both agree that the Chiefs are on top, but the other three teams in this division, they did so much to improve. It is just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. How do you have this division stacking up after Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big Drew Lock guy coming out of Missouri. Uh, I thought he he showed a lot last year. And uh, the weapons they have for him, the like Hamler and Judy and Sutton, um, obviously Gordon, it, it's it's going to be hard to stop that offense consistently if, if he plays well. But the team I really like is the Chargers. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if Terod Taylor is going to be great or, or even really good, but I don't think he has to be. I just think he has to be an above-average quarterback not turning the ball over. And uh, their offense, in terms of their weapons, it's you think nice. about – yeah, it's just – it's it's really elite. Uh, I asked Erwin James about Keenan Allen. He basically said he's the best route runner he's ever seen, uh, never, ever played against. And uh, then that secondary, you know, I mean, you could go down the line. Obviously, Derwin, uh, Hayward, the, you talk about Ingram up front, who just got his deal restructured, uh, Bosa, uh, linebackers are good. The defense should be – elite across the board and that's why I just think Taylor has to be you know decent and if he's not you know they can go to Herbert so the Chargers to me are probably the team that's gonna uh, take the biggest step you think about last year they go 5-11 and 11. there's no reason to me why they can't be a playoff team yeah the Chargers you know you mentioned all the defensive pieces they also had Chris Harris which was big 100 percent yeah yeah Desmond King in the secondary contract year for him Linval Joseph up front as well and then Kenneth Murray in the draft somebody who I love an energy love. guy Really great guy. I mean, everyone at Oklahoma just raves about him. I think he'll be great, a tackling machine. But as you said, it really comes down to the quarterback play. I don't really know if it's going to be Tyrod or Herbert. I think it'll be Tyrod to start. But it comes down to, to, to the quarterback play. But then Denver is really the team to me that could really make that jump because the O-line is concerning, but then the weapons are just so young and talented, right? Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fant, Gordon, Lindsey. And then on defense, you add Casey and Bouye, you get Bradley Chubb, Bryce Callahan back from injury, and Vic Fangio year two of that defense. I feel like if Locke could show what he did last year, where he went four and one, then this is a team that could actually make the playoffs as a wild card team. Because we've seen the quarterback play in Denver. We haven't seen it with the Chargers. Yeah, that, that's true. And also Philip Lindsay, too. Yeah. Uh, who, who, I think he had over 1,000 yards. So I, I would expect him to, to be productive. Um. Yeah, Drew Locke, I mentioned, I, I didn't love him coming out of school, but he, uh, his swag is, is you got kind of has that Baker mentality of, you know, I, I'm, I don't care, I'm just, I'm the best, and, and I, I like it. And he, I just think what's going to be really interesting is uh, assuming that he's able to move around and he's a pretty mobile guy, um, and the offensive line you mentioned isn't great, but assuming that he's able to stay healthy, I think he can. I think he'll be the guy we will we'll look back at the end of the season. He'll be one of those quarterbacks where you say, "Wow, I didn't realize Drew Locke's a franchise quarterback," but I, I think he is, and uh, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see him, and I'm excited to see those weapons. Uh, you know, Fant's another guy who, uh, you know, coming out of Iowa, we thought was going to be a Pro Bowl guy, and he's extremely young. Um, if he's a little more consistent, I, he could be a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. I, I like Denver a lot. I'm excited about that division, and. I guess I would just lean the Chargers more just because I think defensively, um, I guess I think they're a little more balanced on both sides of the ball, but you could go either way there. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing with, it's funny because you mentioned Baker and Locke together. I think both those quarterbacks, and Field Yates mentioned this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, their play could determine if they win five games or 11 games. I mean, that's right. The talent right. is it's there. It's just how will the quarterbacks do? And then the last thing we didn't mention, the Raiders, I think this is a make or break year for Derek Carr. I mean, there's no way around it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, 100%. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Derek Carr guy, and I understand the fans' complaints. Um, you know, it seems like he, he does settle, and, and it, I don't want to say he doesn't fight, but there's just too many, play, too many times I've seen Derek Carr kind of give up on a play. Uh, and, and it drives me nuts. Now, he was much better last year. I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's a fantastic young player. Waller had a great year last year. Um, I, think, I think there's pressure on him. I, I don't know. The, Ra- the Raiders are kind of like the Browns for me where, you know, on paper they should be better, but it's, it's, it's hard to fully trust them be, be, just because, given the organizational dysfunction and the fact that uh, I, just both quarterbacks, you, you could see going one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Listen, this is really how I look at the Raiders. I feel like this year they're going with Carr. I know they signed Mariota to, uh, to a solid contract, but they're going to have Carr this year in the new stadium. They're planning to play without fans this year, right? If Carr doesn't get them a winning season or into the playoffs, I feel like they move on next year. They open their new stadium to fans with a new young quarterback in the draft, whoever it is, Fields, um, Lance, Lawrence, whatever it is. I don't know. But that's the way I look at it because it really is a make-or-break year. They draft, of course, Henry Ruggs. They have um, Josh Jacobs. They have Darren Waller. Ruggs is someone who they believe is going to be their Tyree Kill. I like him. I, I yeah. want to see Derek Carr unleashing the ball to Henry Ruggs because we don't see him throw the ball deep. And this is, this is going to be his opportunity where you get Henry Ruggs, you have Waller, you have Josh Jacobs. There's a young offense in place here for him to do well. And as we said, it's going to be a make or break year there for Derek yeah. Carr. Yeah. yeah, and Ruggs, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Ruggs. He, I think people were surprised. He, went, he was the first receiver off the board. He's probably the most explosive receiver and definitely the fastest. And uh, I, if, if he can become Tyree Kill, then, then, then that's a grand slam. I, I, I got to see it first, but I, I do like the pick. Yeah, I was surprised when he was the first receiver off the board, but John Gruden envisions him being that speedy guy who could do a little bit of everything in that offense. They can move him around, do jet sweeps, go deep, whatever it is, right, in this offense. So it's an offense that could be exciting, but again, it depends on the quarterback in their first year now in Las Vegas. We have one more division to do, and it is the AFC South, and it's a division that I think really could go in a bunch of different ways because the Texans have won it four out of the last five years, but the Titans went deeper last year, but the Colts were the most aggressive this offseason. How do you stack this all up? Yeah, this is, uh, this is a tough one. Um, I, you know, Phillip, I, I want to say like, oh, the Colts with Phillip Rivers, you know, he's going to be the difference. Um, you know, because if we look at last year when Brissett got hurt, he, he, he really struggled, and not all that's on him. But um, if I'm realistic, I, I think this is probably one of the, the, the best divisions in the league. Um, I love Tennessee. I just think, like people have said, you know, you, you kind of heard it. It was a fluke last year with the Titans. Tannehill stinks, whatever you want to say. But um, I think they really found something with Tannehill. He looked so com- – it's the first time I've ever seen him look comfortable in an mm-hmm. offense, look really confident. Uh, he was he was accurate enough. Um, you know, if you just put Derrick Henry aside um, for a second, and, and he's obviously special, you know, offensively, 
I, I think they need to be a little bit more aggressive uh, with Tannehill if they want to have sustained success, throwing the ball down the field a little bit more. But um, they've done a really good job. Uh, I give John Robinson a lot of credit. And, and then obviously defensively, we were talking about Kevin Bayard. I think um, the, the, the Titans are going to cause a lot of problems um, in that division and across the league um, turnovers. They, they dropped 11 interceptions last year, which was – it's just an unbelievable amount. If you think they, they catch five, six, seven of those, that could be two or three wins. So I didn't know that. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's something that seems like it's – you know, you, it's, that seems more fluky to me than anything. So, I like Tennessee. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson's terrific. But I think losing DeAndre Hopkins uh, is just going to be a massive blow for him in that whole offense. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this with Field Yates a couple of weeks ago. And – I was talking about the AFC South, and he was telling me, if you look at this division, the best player is Deshaun Watson. So you don't want to, yeah. you know, not mention him as this guy because everyone is putting them third right now in this division. So I don't really know how to look at them because, again, that Hopkins trade was just so bad. I mean, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's just so tough to do, you know. So I don't really know how to look at them. But then the team we didn't really talk about is the Colts. And I think, I personally right now, if I was to make my picks for the AFC South, I have the Colts on top just because Brissett, as you said, got hurt. They started five and two last year. The offensive line, in my mind, is the best in football. Phillip Rivers has never really had a good offensive line. He's not mobile. He wants to stand in the pocket. Now he has that. Pittman he has two Dalton, backs. Two backs, Taylor and Mack. You add Pittman, who I think is going to be, you know, huge. In I, love one. I love Pittman. I'm I a big him. Pittman guy, big guy who's going to make those contested catches. But then adding DeForest Buckner, that's the big thing for me. I think that's the key. I mean, he's so underrated. No one talks about him. I think he's up there with Fletcher Cox and, and Chris Jones. I mean, he's right there with them. Adding him to that defensive line is enormous. The coaching staff is still intact. Like, I think the Colts make noise in this division. I don't know how you feel about them. The Colts, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won 11 games. Uh, right, yeah. You know, I, but I also think they could go 7-9 and nine again. You know, I think they'll be competitive regardless. Um, I guess it's like with Phillip Rivers. I, I'm mentioning the offensive line and, uh, you know, him, him having always having issues with that. I, I guess I'm spooked by the fact that last year uh, it just – it didn't seem like – he never threw the deepest ball or the best ball, but it really felt like he lost 10 15% of that velocity. And, uh, you know, he, he was scrambling a lot. I think he was in bad positions uh, as a whole trying to make, you know, crazy comebacks. But he just seemed like he didn't give he, – he just so many bad decisions and – um, I wonder how much of that will be corrected uh, there. But I, I, I do – I guess I would just lean Tennessee. I think Indianapolis will be better than Houston. I think they're a playoff team. I guess they – you know, we could say they win nine – when do I say they win nine games and they make the playoffs? Um, but I, Tennessee, I'm excited. I'm just excited about that team. I want to yeah. see more. I want to see more of Tannehill, uh, which sounds crazy. I want to see more A.J. Brown. I want to see Henry. I just want to see them uh, with a full season of that offense um, rolling again. Yeah. It's going to be so interesting because I just don't know if I'm getting the same Ryan Tannehill that I got last year. Of course, last year was just such a magical run. It's a contract year. But if we get the same Ryan Tannehill, or at least a similar Ryan Tannehill, and then they have A.J. Brown, who's a monster, they have Derrick Henry, who's a monster, then this team will compete. And then defensively, the thing that people don't talk about, Dean Pease retired, the defensive coordinator. That'll hurt. That'll hurt. Yeah, I mean, no one brings it up. That's a pretty big loss. Mike Vrabel is going to run that defense, but um, everyone speaks really highly about him. Yeah, and, and they and they got 
they got I they got I I like the kid Evans at App State, you know, as as a second back. Yeah. Um, they got a good corner. Uh, was it uh, a Fulton? And Kristen then they got Fulton. a tackle, uh, in Isaiah Wilson. So I, I like what they did in the draft. I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be. I don't want to say better, but I think they'll be. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to. Uh, I don't want. I don't know if they can contend, but they they will bother Baltimore and Kansas City. I mean, listen. I think. There's seven playoff teams this year, which is big. That's going to help sure. this division. I think it's safe to say this is going to be the most competitive division. Without in the AFC, say, yeah. I mean, them in the AFC North, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, like, we'll give some Jaguars love here. I mean, people are saying – Oh, like, a little Jack love? We, okay. We, we got to do it. I mean, listen, everyone says it's going to be the worst team in the league. But Gardner no, Minshew okay. was actually good last year, and they have re- young receivers. I like Chark a lot. Chark was over a thousand yards and made the Pro Bowl last year in that offense. And then you add yeah, Lavisca Chenault, D.D. Westbrook is still there. You know they have Tyler Eifert, who they signed. If he's healthy, he could do something. I mean, their defense. I don't know what's going on with Ngakwe, but Josh Allen is going to be a superstar. Joe yeah, Shea. I think Ngakwe is going to get traded. Um, the the uh, Fournette thing is interesting, you know, saying uh, he wants 100 yards every game. <laughs> so, let's see. You know, he's – Fournette, I think, is a lot of hype on Fournette. I don't know if he's ever really lived up to it. If he's yeah. ever going to do it, it's going to be this year. This is his contract here. They declined his option. So, there's been talks that they want to trade him. They couldn't find the partner. I mean, again, we know about players and contract years. They try to step it up. But back to the Jaguars as a whole, I don't think they're going to be like this 0-16 team that people say. No. Though I think they'll be what they were last year, you know, right around five, six wins. I think that's very fair. I don't. I think they'll be far and away. They will not be anywhere near the bottom of the barrel of the NFL. Let's put opinion. it. Let, let's let's put it like this: Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville next year, yes or no? Uh, no, I don't think they'll be that bad. Yeah, I don't think they'll it's, be that bad. I mean, they, they it probably would help them long term because I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the best players I've ever seen in my life at the college level. I mean, he's he's probably the most ready to come out since since Luck. Oh, yeah, for yep. sure. It's not even close. I, don't, I mean, like, there hasn't been a quarterback that – people said he could have gone in last year. Number one this year, yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's spectacular. Year. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, Minshew was pretty decent last year. Like, he could have been in the running for Rookie of the Year. I mean, he was that good. Yeah, he was, yeah he's, he's good enough. I mean, he's, is he a franchise – I mean, he, he believes he is and good for him. He's, he's kind of got that Baker Mayfield swag as well. I love it. <laughs> he, he's a funny guy. Did, did you see what he said – um, after he had a false positive for COVID. No, I didn't, I didn't see it. What do you, what do you say? So he said, I did not contract the virus. It took one look at me and then ran the other way, probably in its best interest. <laughs> I mean, that literally is like, if I could like sum up Gardner Minshew in a sentence, that would be it. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's, he's a funny guy. I mean, he's, I don't know. I've been trying to get him on. I've been trying to get him on my show. He's, he kind of kind of said he would do it. This is earlier, and now now he he blew up. He blew up. I got I would love to have him on. He'd be, he's a great interview, apparently. He 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 is. And by the way, if they win like week one, there's going to be a lot of Minshew mania once again, like there was last year, because he's he's that much of a fun guy. I mean, we're giving a lot of Jaguars talk here on the podcast, but it's a very interesting team. I, I got to tell you. Yeah, I I, I hope I kind of hope that they're better or or that they're you know competitive because I do like him. But also, if I'm a Jags fan, like you said, I. I would love to get Trevor Lawrence next season. 
I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think Minshew's mustache will have other plans there. I think he truly believes he's the franchise quarterback there. And listen, I really don't think they're as bad as people think they are. All right, that wraps up all the divisions in the AFC. Let's wrap up this episode with a quick five. You know this, Jordan. We do this every week. And what I want to do this week is your way too early predictions. You know, you could change this before the season, but let's go through some of them here. Number one, who will be the MVP of the 2020 NFL season? <laughs> you can I, change I this down the line. You can change this on Instagram when uh, you want. Uh, hold on, I'm just going through quarterback. <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> it's such a I, weird I, season. I, I would, I would, you know what? I'm going to go Russell Wilson. I think he finally gets it. I think he finally gets it. I saw the stat this week. He has not even gotten an MVP vote yet. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. You can make the case he's the best quarterback in the league. I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. And then you think about, uh, you know, with Lockett and Metcalf, I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be incredible again. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think Metcalf takes another jump this year in his sophomore year. It still blows me away that this is somebody who dropped all the way to the last pick of the second round last year. It's just crazy to me. All right, number two. Offensive Rookie of the Year. There are so many good options this year. So many skilled players and quarterbacks that were drafted. Who you got? Uh, Justin Jefferson. Ooh. Loved him coming out. Uh, I think, wow. you know, obviously Diggs isn't there. I think he's going to have a monster year. You know what's interesting, actually? Field Yates was on here a couple of weeks ago, and he said Justin Jefferson is his favorite rookie wide receiver in fantasy this year. Really? I love him. I don't know what's not to love about him. Everything. Yeah, I mean, you guys are both on the same page with liking him there in Minnesota. You have him going as far as winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, so you're expecting some big numbers there. What about Defensive Rookie of the Year? I feel like it's got to be Chase Young, right? Yeah, I, I, I would love to get cute, but Chase Young, I mean, God, that guy's such a monster, and, and he was so unbelievably productive. Uh, at the highest level, and you know, I he's got he got criticized for the Clemson game. If you go back and watch that, he was doubled and tripled um, a lot of plays. And uh, you know, I I think he's fantastic. He's and and in a lot of drafts, he really got number one overall. So I'll I'll just go safe on that. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I mean, adding him to that defensive line, which was already good, is pretty scary. What about this one? I feel like this one is going to be vital for a year like this. Coach of the year, coaching is going to be huge in a year like this. Who do you have winning that? Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, should I double down and go all in on the Vikings with Mike Zimmer? Uh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, all right. I'm going to just say, what the hell? I'm going to go Mike Vrabel. Titans. <laughs> Mike Vrabel. You I'm high on the Titans. I you love the Titans. You could have made the argument you could have gotten it last year. You... I know. I know. But it's so hard to like, oh, we're going to double down. You know, but I, 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 do, uh, I do like the Titans a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. All righty. Last one here for you, Jordan, before I let you go. And this one is not going to be football related. You're a big basketball guy. Playoffs going on right now. Your NBA Finals prediction as these playoffs roll on. Uh, before the season, uh, okay, I had Bucks over Clippers. Uh, now I'm going to go Raptors. I think the Raptors in the East. Um, in the West, I would love to say the Clippers, but I'm so spooked by them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to. I'm just going to go Clippers over Raptors because that was. Uh, that's kind of been my thought the last couple of weeks, really. Um, so we'll we'll. Uh, We'll go there. But I will say this. Um, Houston has been awfully impressive. And uh, you got to give them a, a tremendous amount of credit. And if you want to – if you're an NBA fan out there, right, and you want to think about who's going to be that, uh, that, that, that long-term sleeper, uh, look at Dallas and look at Phoenix. Th- those two teams offensively are, are lights out. So uh, I, I love Dallas. I still think Dallas has a great chance in the series. And, um, you know, I guess I'm not really going on a limb necessarily. 
but Dallas, Dallas and Phoenix long term. Oh yeah, totally. And Luca, I mean, Luca is super awesome. First of all, he's going to be the face of the NBA very soon. And then the Suns, they were just so fun to watch, right? Eight and zero. It was such a bummer they didn't make the playoffs, but that was really, really fun to see. I know it really. They they deserve a tremendous amount of credit, and uh, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Portland. Uh, they almost stole Game Three last night, so yeah. love to see them uh, get another one and, and make this series with LA. Mm-hmm. You, you know, let me ask you one more thing here: the NFL season. You think they'll be able to pull this off and have a full year? I think they're going to start, but once they get underway, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to say the least. I I, I think it happens. Um, I know the, the biggest surprise for me uh, has actually been the fact that we have two different camps in terms of. You know, some some teams saying we'll have fans, yeah, and some teams saying no. And I think Mike Zimmer said it. I want to say yesterday that that uh, he was, you know, it's going to be very difficult, um, and he's not really sure. So I ultimately think no fans, but I do believe Ari will have a full season. Yeah, we're all hoping that you're right, Jordan. And you know, if you think about it, the positive case rate up until now it's been so low, very low. Yeah, it's been insanely low. Like even Doctor Sill said that he's been pleasantly surprised with how low the positive rates have been. Contact ramped up last week, padded practices started, and the numbers stayed low. So all of that is great. And as we record this right now, we are exactly three weeks away from our first NFL Sunday. So it's getting close, man. It's getting real close. And of course, that is very exciting. All right, Jordan, I want to thank you for coming on today. Everyone can, of course, follow you on Instagram. It is at Jordan Schultz. I highly recommend to go check that out. Also on Twitter, it is at Schultz underscore report. Jordan, thanks for coming on again. Thank you, brother. Take care. Special thanks to Jordan Schultz for coming on the podcast this week. Always a good time when talking to him. He's become a regular here on the podcast. Again, go check out his Instagram, at Jordan Schultz. He's always doing some great interviews there on his page. That does it here for this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. I really, really appreciate it. If you have not done so yet, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. By you doing something that small, it helps this podcast in a big way because other football fans just like you will be able to find this podcast and they will listen along as well. As always, make sure you're not just following the My Sports Update Twitter page, but make sure you have notifications on so you get instant alerts on everything notable that happens in the National Football League. I am your host, Ari Mera. I'll be back with another episode next week with another special guest. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you all next week. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat.